0: napa
1: know how a napa guy knows more isn't always better unless we're talking about full-size vans these beasts do more than get you from a to b they have so much space a man can live in it with shag carpeting water bed and a sweet lava lamp these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home with quality parts and plenty of napa know-how you can keep the original tiny house running longer stronger
0: that's napa Napa know-how
1: Alright, well welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on iTunes. Search Glue or search Glue Guys. Check us out on Twitter. Search BK Glue Guys. At BK Glue Guys. And you can check us out on thebrookengame.com. Bry Guy. Talk to me, Mikey. What a great week for the Nets, huh? It's been a ride. It's been a wild ride. Um, we have rumors of GM displacement, which could be good news for some people. Uh, the starting point guard for the team went out with an ACL injury. Mm. You have Brett Yormark talking about how the product needs to be better. Yeah, um, and
0: some GM. But they've won some rumors. games.
1: They've won some games. Very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So we are sitting here. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. We got our first taste of the post-Jared Jack era.
0: Yeah, that wasn't good. That was that was bad. Not not how you want to start that era.
1: And it's, I mean, so the biggest thing, right, is it's not like Jared Jack was awesome. He was adequate. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, at least, it's this team is so lacking in talent that any little ping to that talent,
0: any little loss is terrible. So we've, you know, we've said a fair amount of, you know, harsh stuff about Jared over the years. And um, some of it warranted. Maybe some of it, I I can even say, you know, we went a little too too crazy, at least to start the season, because he was, you know, respe- he has have been respectable this season, so despite all that, yeah, we were tough on him, but we can't just afford to lose a, a guy outright that's playing the position that we're so, so shallow And, and
1: the Celtics game showed, like, sort of the big problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even that you are playing Donald Sloan 20-plus minutes, D Sloan, well, your boy.
0: It, do you want me to horn it? Uh, we got to horn because we're going to have a horn all year for... That was the baby's horn. Was it a baby horn? What's going on with that horn?
1: Wow. That was my fault. Um, it's just that before you could kind of, like, this team stinks at swing at the at the twos and threes. It's no not either. very good. That's why Joe Johnson's playing as many minutes as he is. So you have uh,
0: Shane Larkin. Well, who, Or do we stink because Joe Johnson's playing as many minutes as he is? <laughs> can't, can't be sure.
1: Um, and it's, before you could do the two-point guard lineup, somewhat, so then you could play Jack and Larkin together. Now that's totally out the window, so then that forces Boyan Bogdanovich and sh- Wayne Ellington, i call him Shane Ellington.
0: Mm. Should call him Shane Ellington. And slowly they starts sh- they hitting some
1: threes. two shots together, or like three shots know. together the entire game. Um, they shot Collectively, they shot 15 times from three. Mm. They've only hit one of those threes. This is in the Celtics game.
0: And, you know, it's not great, Brian. You know, and I'm very conflicted about this because, you know, I want, you know, my, my heart wants Larkin in, in the game. My head doesn't necessarily want him in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, he's... Uh, it's not like
1: he's a necessary evil, but he's a necessary um, sore. Uh, he's a he's a necessary canker sore. He's got it. You know, he's got the
0: something there. He's got something there. And I, you know, it's... It, until he finds that thing, it's it's really it's it's uh it's pretty damaged. And also he it was not a great matchup for him going against a guy that's you know smaller and fast. He doesn't play against guys that are smaller and faster. You know he's the small fast guy. Um, Isaiah Thomas I'm talking about right. last night. So not just a horrible matchup to to sort of start this thing out it's not like donald sloan did any better though you I mean, say a horrible matchup for shane larkin yeah yeah i would say because shane larkin likes to i mean he's not a great defender by any means but at least he can take chances on you know bigger guards put the ball away or just you know he just has the ability to get up in their in their jersey a little bit more isaiah thomas is right by him every time right and and it's just it's fine
1: you know and you brought up a point when we were talking pre-game mm-hmm. as we do uh what would be a hopeful Nets fan thing would be that Jared Jack would play well enough to the point that he would be traded. Right. And now that, that is totally out the window. If you're ranking trade assets on this team, reasonable Mm -hmm. ones, Brooke and Thad are one and two. Rondie Hollis Jefferson, I guess would be three, but they would never, he's probably the only guy that they really wouldn't trade. But then the Jerry Jack trade was extremely likely. Right. And now that's completely out the window. Yeah. Um, do they bring someone else in Tony Roten's a very exciting guy <laughs> I like that Tony Roten do you? and it's so great cuz there's uh, the, a lot of Knicks fans are really on the Tony Roten bag- bandwagon for him to come to them and yeah. now he may there's no reports that he's going to come here who knows if he's i mean it, him coming like it, the, w- the way we're talking is almost if he, he's like Kevin if he's going to come here if he's going to decide <laughs> yeah. to come here when well, yeah. there's been zero interest in Tony Roten he's a sub th- 35% field goal shooter
0: I mean um, the reality is we're probably going to just use Markel Brown as our third guard um which I'm not super upset about. Um, we didn't even play him last
1: night. We played basically only we played Larkin and Sloan and Boyan and Wayne Ellington. That was the complete guard rota- rotation for the team. It's scary. It's scary. Hey, <laughs> but we're going to bring the positivity. Yeah. Um heck yeah. So this team is in an interesting place. It remains so, because it's it hasn't really been, you know, all that bad. Thad Young is playing fantastic. Brooks played great. I mean, what did
0: Brook win? Easter Conference Player of the Week or Player of the Month? The two big contracts that you know, if they're going to be horrible, we're in real trouble going forward into this free agency period. Are paying dividends. Those guys that we went in on, and you know, in the season before the cap goes up. So think about them at a at a really at a. Uh, at a nice price because it's going to go 45% for each player. So roughly, you know, their max contracts are not actually max contracts anymore. So it looks like a sweet deal, you know, on our part for those, for those two. I got to tell you, I mean, although, you know, everyone, I don't know. brooke has been fine. I mean, I don't know if anyone expected him to really like go super sane again on this season, but you know, we're getting what we, what we asked for. And he cannot be, I cannot be more happy with that young. So that's the silver lining to this thing. I don't know. And they are 2-2 two two in the past four games, you know, the selective
1: cutoff. We're going to get Rondo in
0: the in the off season.
1: Um, well, it's interesting you bring up the offseason. So a news report came out today on Tuesday from, let me get the uh, source of this correct, from Eurohoops.net. Right. That, and I do not know how to say the last name of the president of CSKA Moscow. Is it Andre Vatutin?
0: Vatutin, yeah. Vatutin. It. Yeah.
1: Like Putin, but Vatutin. Yeah. Um, something out there that basically was like Prokhorov is looking to replace Billy King with Andre Vatutin. The reason why he would do that is because Prokhorov was was at one point involved with CSKA Moscow. They're one of the best teams over there. Yeah. What do we know? What do we know about him? <clears throat> you know, so I went on the, the deep. Yeah, what did you, you The find deep out? Google dive. You went deep, huh? And, and it's just so. It, one, it's not that much fun. It's not that much fun to go in that kind of deep Google dive for him, but just because it's he's much, like,
0: it's much more fun to talk about Calipari getting that position, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and but the, well, I really don't want that to happen. <laughs> um, more fun to talk about it, and it's also like you know, I guess the translation. I don't know if he speaks English. I'm sure he does because the interview I was reading, he does. Basically, what I'm trying to figure out is like, what coach would he bring in here? What's his philosophy? But when you look at all the players that they that they sign in this Russian league, it's like. Karolinko, Alexey Shedd, guys like that, and you're like, I don't know wh- who these guys are. I don't know like what philosophy he would bring to the team. You know, like I have no base of knowledge to sort of relate to the president of CSKA Moscow. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, you know, I don't want to be xenophobic. I really don't. Well, you're, you're sounding it, you know, already. But, it's too late. You know, we criticize when coaches in the NBA get power in personnel mm-hmm. because um, it's not their necessary forte and also they can't devote their whole time to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair criticism to say for a personnel person from across the water. To have to come over here and across suddenly, across the water, to, to to suddenly believe that they're going to like, they're they're going to understand the entire scope of the NBA, the entire scope of college basketball. Mm-hmm. College basketball is something that's pretty foreign to foreigners. Like, america's one of the few countries in the world that actually has a like a thriving college athletic system, basically a minor league for the pro teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a a fair argument argument to be said that you know part of what what attributes to a, a winning culture is the chemistry and a lot of what chemistry is about is understanding the personalities of the team. And I think it's fair to say that a guy from CSKA Moscow is not going to have a, a really great uh, handle on the American sensibilities. These various players just know exactly what fits and who I does. Like I'm walking on eggshells, Brian.
1: What? Trying to explain
0: why I don't like
1: this story. Why? You know I know what think I, mean? I just did a great job. Yeah. Say? Yeah. And you did it well, but I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like, I don't want to seem, I really don't want to seem like, 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 I'm a uh, Donald Trump type. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, you know, and you do. That's but isn't, the, it, you didn't, reasonable? isn't you, it reasonable to say, like, you do not want this to happen you know, just because it seems there so was, unlikely?
0: You were trying to break into the bank, and there's a laser field in front of you, and you got zapped. I'm sorry. You know, that's what happens. <laughs> but, but but watch as I artfully, you know, duck under these things by just saying, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, where he's from. It's about the fact that, you know, these are professional athletes that have giant egos, and he's not used to that you know kind of kind of ego where he's from you know they don't have
1: and it's not even that it's the, the fact well, that it, it's
0: partly that at least come on <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's just it's for me it's just simply that that um i don't know how to relate this to anything um
0: you're just want you just want to say no because he's Russian. I can tell that's what you're about. You just just say it. Yeah,
1: that's exactly how
0: I mean. Seri- but you don't no, want man. the you don't want the the Iron Curtain to to be drawn on on the Nets franchise. I get it. I see it, but it's too late, Mike. You I would love to be the mysterious
1: European, uh, you know, influence team, the team that you know were anything brings but that. old I mean, world ideas into, about into the 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 new world that 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 changes things around. I just. You know, and I'm all for so like when David Black got hired, I knew nothing about David Black besides that he was one. He was Jewish, which was very exciting for like me personally, that. Like that. and that he was really successful overseas. But I think there's a difference between a foreign well,
0: coach and a foreign GM. You knew him from the TV show Friends that he starred on. That's what you <laughs> knew, what, David <laughs> Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody, nobody sees that. I, I see that it's so hard. You see that he acts like it. It's just like his. He does He acts like David Schwimmer. It's this. He, um, he does, but he's got a little Chandler in him. It's this a like, little Chandler. It's this innocent kind of indignance that he's. I don't know. Something about. Chandler, what are you saying? No. Well, no, because no.
1: David Blatt is really kind of a jerk. And Chandler was the most jerk friend. Where David Schwimmer was more of a. I don't know how to say. It was just kind of like. I mean, can
0: we just call him Ross? If we're going to call him Chandler, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Matthew Perry. <laughs> it's a, Ross is what? He's, I, I'm saying, I think Ross is secretly. You know, he's got his. He, he's self-destructive we know that he makes p- poor decisions right he breaks up with women when he shouldn't
1: yeah when, when there's true love right staring him right in the face he's
0: kind of a, a you know did maybe you, i don't even know
1: if he's a lovable loser i'm not sure everyone loves him did you ever believe that monica and ross were actually brother and sister no you feel
0: no, like a weird no that was a weird thing and also the monica really, chandler marriage plot fell felt the chandler being monica yeah i like that that you, got me. You, you like a couple, though. That's your thing. Yeah. You just, yeah. You just love monogamy in all shapes I was, and sizes. Have you
1: ever seen the movie The Perfect Game? This mm-hmm. is with Kevin Costner. He's a starting pitcher for the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so... I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know the movie. Yeah. There's two parts to that movie. It's one that he's pitching a perfect game when he's about to retire. And then as he's pitching through the game, he sort of goes through these moments where he remembers the past and he remembers the woman that he lost.
0: God. What a Kevin Costner film. That is... yeah. I grew
1: up... I had that VHS. You liked I film. thought it was you like, like this film. like great baseball movie. Little did I know that everyone hated it because there's a love story. I love a love story. Mm. Is there anything wrong with that? And I think Chandler and... Rachel, uh, Chandler and... Not Rachel. Are you
0: just like any love story? Like you like Just Friends? Or like, you know... What's Just Friends? With, um, or I don't know. What, what is the one where it's like... Uh, I don't know. There's horrible romantic comedies out there. Tons no, of but them. I... Hitch. I, you liked Hitch? Yeah, That's I did like Hitch. You liked Hitch? You okay, didn't like well, Hitch? Uh... Hitch was fantastic. N- no, I didn't like Hitch. I didn't like uh I didn't like a lot of those things. But you know, I still watch the notebook. I'll watch the notebook anytime it's on ABC Family. I watched I remember the first time I watched the notebook, I was
1: in the basement with Jane Kim. Mm-hmm. Okay? Beautiful girl. This Jane was Kim. ninth grade. And Jane Kim had to go before the end of the movie, and I I said I said goodbye, Jane, and I watched the rest of the movie
0: fantastic well she knew, probably knew the ending it goes got it gets weird They're, they die together yeah. she's like let's leave it at this <laughs> this <is> not <laughs> awkward part of the night because after they die it's going to be weird um the nets are back <laughs> nah it's too late yeah moment's gone
1: um so you got fired up recently about something that brett Yormark said
0: Oh, I mean, not fired up. How, how you seem fired, fired up? up? You'd you'd charts over. Oh, what? because I do a little fired? a little research. That's fired up. Yeah. Now I'm fired for up. you it is. Now yeah. I'm fired up. <laughs> fired up at at that. Um. Yeah. So Devin had an article in the Brooklyn Game <clears throat> about um how the Yormar, how you, the Yormark how Brett Yormark was you know harping on the attendance and and saying that the cause of it was that you know the reason people aren't showing up is because the team isn't that good and and yes that is true you know you know no favors being done there i as a guy that's you haven't been to the arena very much Smeltz right no um i stay away i've I've had a lot a lot a lot of issues with the the whole experience there it's a very contrived almost uh, oppressively contrived sort of corporate sponsored nightmare basically yeah i mean yeah everything has a little logo slap to it every every moment is sponsored by something it's just a real there's
1: like a zappos shoe every every like they try
0: to feign these organic dance things it's just this really um transparent charade basically the brooklyn chant is sort of it's a circus they pipe in that brooklyn chant that makes everyone's skin crawl except for like a smattering a guy's in, in the upper right-hand corner or whatever. Um, it's just really brutal. <laughs> it's just a really awkward thing. I got buddies that try to bring dates to these things. It's like, that is no go. We'll never go back. Never bring a date to to the Barclays Center. because what is that? You know why? It's because um, sports has a bad reputation for being a sort of, um, I don't know, less than intellectual kind of enterprise. And if you see... A female going to this thing probably doesn't maybe doesn't have a lot of experience watching professional basketball and sees this like corporate circus basically and they're like this is what you like this is your, but you don't see the bullshit everywhere this is you're serious <laughs> there's nothing but bullshit all around us and I'm not saying that like you know the Nets are on their own in this thing I, I just think that they've really seized on on the opportunities in front of them and have like made a point of monetizing every corner of the place like you know the Honda Club used to be a a place where you could somewhat get away from all that, and now it's a painting by numbers class, you know, haven. And um, I love
1: how your version of like getting getting away from it all is the Honda Club.
0: Yeah, it's where I, I went. On, I went on vacation to the Honda Club last. The first level last year. bar
1: that is sponsored by Grey Goose and, that <laughs> or, is named, and Honda. And Honda that is that is named for a sponsor. <laughs> that is, that, is a sponsor. That, is, that is your haven. Yeah, your, but your at home, least your home, in your the home
0: Honda Club, club you. Um, had a like bar-type experience, whereas now the Honda Club is actually something much more weird. It's more more wholesome. It's weirdly wholesome. I don't know. It's this weird bounce. Anyway, so there's a whole lot of things. And also, I think that we were talking about um, another reason why, specifically the lower bowl. So ever since I started going to the Barclays Center back in 2012, I had noticed the phenomenon of the stacked upper deck, and the smattering of people in the lower bowl. And I quickly, I think anyone could put together that the people in the, the are priced out of the lower bowl, effectively. And now the resale value is so low on those tickets, I'm, I'm assuming that those people with expendable incomes don't want to, you know, they'll, they'll wait till the very last second to see if the price goes up, and then eh, if it's not, whatever, they don't care. They'll, they'll suffer the loss or whatever. Sure. You know, meanwhile, the upper deck tickets, generally, if it's 20 bucks, People will swing for that, so it's still fairly full in the upper deck, but the lower bowl is embarrassingly empty on a on a regular basis now
1: yeah it's it it's just but is Brett your mark really wrong?
0: is he wrong to say that the attendance would be better if the product is better? well, obviously no, I mean that's that's dead on, but it would also be better if there's a lot of other you know elements that were improved upon I mean like you know making huge pricing you know gouges on the you know, based on, you know, very small amount of distance, because mostly out of status conjuring or something like this. And and you're taking a loss at this level. I mean, lower the prices of the tickets at at some point. If you want to, you know, make make up to the loss at this point, you've got to lower the prices on these tickets. 100 percent. Because here's 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 the weird sort of
1: like issue when. So if you're a real basketball fan, but you don't have money. You almost cannot bring yourself to buy a crappy upper deck ticket that is behind yeah. the hoop because you realize as a basketball fan, why would I pay all that money, even if it's just 40 bucks, <clears throat> which is, you know, something, something, something. Mm-hmm. Why would I pay that amount of money to go sit in a terrible seat when I go wh- home, watch the game, love it, great. Yeah. But if you're not a real basketball fan and then you get those those upper deck seats and you're fine. But everywhere else the lower bowl most people who are our age who are the young fan who don't have a ton of money can't get those seats anyway so
0: and that's who you're after i mean the guys that are you know committed basketball fans who have money have been doing this for a long time and they're in MSG and they're pumping up those prices quite a bit and actually showing up because you know they've been doing that for the last 40 years and that's what they do because that's the kind of people they are we are on our way to being those kinds of people, but we just don't have the money. <laughs> the Nets so badly want to be those. They kinds so of badly do, and they they're missing the mark really. I will say really badly.
1: Well, and that's what's been annoying from the moment that they've started to move their move the team to Brooklyn. Um, you could even attribute the KG and Pierce trade to this totally, but I'll still defend the trade for the most part. Sure, whatever. Um that everything every sort of like idea marketing um just everything about the whole team has been about how we can elevate the the overall bottom line the overall like thought of the team has to be thought of as a luxury brand oh yeah the premium the, experience was even the ads that they have on the side of the court with like Starbucks and i think DKNY or like they had like they specifically have targeted seems like sponsors who would make it seem like it's a hot brand. The attachment of J Z is to make it a hot brand. Um when like it, it couldn't be any more opposite the on the court product to what it would be. It's also not even something that like attracts fans. That's not that's not
0: something that people root for.
1: Nobody roots for like like the the, the, the status besides Darren Vell, who is he's like the only guy, the sports business guy for ESPN, is about the only guy who would get excited about the fact that this team would be you know, like the most innovative brand in basketball, that's just not interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, so we're the you know seventh, um, seventh highest average uh, price per ticket behind the Celtics, Heat, Clippers, Bulls, Lakers, Knicks. Seems seems about right. Um, like you know, demographically, and we're very bad. But it feels like we're skipping. We're skipping up. We're skipping ahead. We we haven't had the success. We haven't had the fan base. Like you know, we, we're. Um, Basically, just like preying on you know the Knicks' success, effectively, like and hoping to bank on that.
1: Yeah, uh, the whole the whole idea of this team again when they moved over was not that we're gonna that we're gonna build a fan base. It's that we're gonna shock a fan base into liking them. Yeah, with the trades that they brought in, the players they brought in, and they're like, our arena is gonna have pump cologne out of the air ducts, <laughs> and we're gonna have a barber shop, and. That works when you are winning basketball and that's like a fun sideshow, but when that becomes the main event you're like like they're gonna have a Nickelodeon night. mean yeah. okay, this is something that all teams do, so I'm not like just singling out the nets, but it's like it's against the Trailblazers. Is that gonna bring
0: me in? I don't care. I mean think about the the young kids coming into Brooklyn too. I mean young kids, I mean like the twenty two year olds coming out of college and moving to Brooklyn or whatever because they want to work in New York. Huge, huge market to be like seized upon. I mean, I'm sure it's not ideal or whatever, but those are like, you know Presumably, people that will be there for a period of time. I mean, like, and and then the the families that a bit. There's just no. You, we're not going to attract the the MSG crowd. That's and we've been like trying to compete with that on on a variety of levels, and it's just not going to happen. Um, another thing that I mentioned was in looking for for the uh, beer prices is that the Cleveland Cavaliers have the lowest priced beer in in the NBA right now. They're selling a beer for four dollars over there. That's what I'm saying That's that is what I that's what I want. That's what I want for for this team. If you if you sell me a $4 beer, I'll be there every night of the week. I can't even comprehend that. And yeah. maybe
1: that's something that the that the team yeah.
0: should figure out how to do. Oh, come on. Or at least a 2 for 1 here or there. I mean, let's
1: um I remember like I know the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates had the lowest beer prices in baseball for some time. And going to a game, especially coming from New York and you go to a game somewhere else in the Midwest specifically and you see those beer prices you you were you were just living a freaking dream for one day. Yeah, sixteen bucks gets you four beers at a Cavs. Oh, yeah. Do you tip bartenders, by the way, at athletic events?
0: Well, now I do because they're like actual bartenders. And and here's another thing. Um, you know, it used to be like at the like the concession stand. That was, you know, I would I would maybe give them a buck. But now I feel like I got to go the actual, you know, whole twenty percent thing. I feel like almost.
1: I'm I'm always no matter where I'm at, I'm, it's going to be the dollar. Yeah, the I one dollar. I Know
0: what kind of guy you are?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, generous tip. No, I've seen you yeah, out. I know, I know.
0: Um,
1: no, no. I don't think any bar you should ever tip more than a dollar per drink, whatever it would be. Yeah. You want to give me a fifteen dollar drink? Well, mo- I mostly
0: put them on the card. I mean, it's. In, I mean, it comes out to normally like a dollar. Anyhow, you know, it's a ten dollar beer. So, mm. um, but you know, if I'm getting two beers at a time, which is the limit, then. One
1: me other me. side note before we get to email, uh, Chris McCullough, some good news. So you look for glimmers of of hope. Uh, Chris McCullough was, was back practicing with the team. Uh, Mike Mazzioli from ESPN had this like long piece about McCullough, and in it he said uh, could be McCullough could be back sometime near after the All Star break. That is also when Ronda Hollis Jefferson would maybe be back. Um, that's good. <laughs> that's the only. It's just good. That that that's a, what you're looking forward to is a a 19 year old. Who's not all that great coming back. But, hey. Whoa. What do we got the team? Who, who's not all that great? Uh, Chris
0: McCullough. What do you know about Chris McCullough? you never seen him play. I've seen him play multiple times. No, you never seen, seen him me. play a game of NBA basketball. That's right. Uh, we got some email. Um, oh, did you want me to hit the drop? No. Nah. Well, cut that one short. Here's the here's the first. We only got two emails. The the email sphere. Um not lively this week. Feel like we may have reached a uh, breaking point with uh with the interaction with the fans. Sure. You know. Anyhow, um so Mike Wims, it's your boy. Oh shoot. Wait, I I need to introduce you properly. This is this is all kinds of wrong. I'm off a of game now. Yeah, it's uh it's Mike Wims. Mike <laughs> So he says, what five-man combination would you like to see more minutes with less minutes? Um, We've been putting out some crazy combinations. At the end of a couple of those games, at the end of the first Boston game, we blew that lead with, uh, what was the combination that was out there? It was like, I don't know. It was a real mishmash. I mean, really, we don't have any kind of consistent rotation, so I can't say that there's necessarily any group of five that I would need to see less of because they just play... So sporadically with each other. Um bit more love to see more Markel Brown in my rotation. Everyone knows my feelings about that. hundred percent. More
1: give me more Markel, give me probably less Boyan at times. I mean I just don't understand I don't want the reliance on Boyan Bogdanovich. Like he and, and I know he has the ability to be better than he is, and you kinda of have to give him time to, to be better than he is, but it's not he's not good right now. He has some good games. Mm -hmm. He's not consistent enough to where Markel Brown should be on the bench the whole time or that, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, okay, Wayne Ellington. So, Wayne Ellington had a horrible game against the Celtics, just like Boyon. And Wayne Ellington has been bad this year besides maybe the last couple of games. So, I don't know if you really are. I'm not going to go to the bat for Wayne Ellington. You know? Probably shouldn't. Probably Um, should not. Um, You know, I want more Willie Reed. I'm seeing some of what you're seeing in Willie Reed. Uh, I want more Thomas Robinson, but but again,
0: might lose me there. But. What's
1: interesting is is like the the two best players on this team are Thad and Brook, and the guys I like the most in terms of interesting guys are Thomas Robinson, and Willie Reed. So you you're just never going to get that much of them, and you don't they they shouldn't be on the floor really all that much compared to Brook and Thad.
0: Yeah, I mean once Rondé comes back, the the real lineup I would. Prefer to see a little bit more of is, and it's weird. It's not. I mean, it's a lineup that I haven't seen at all. So maybe, maybe I'll fall out of love with it pretty quickly. But nicely done, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh It'll be Larkin, Markel, Rondé, Thad, Brooke. Get those guys out of the starting lineup, and I think that could work. Let's see what we see what we can't do because people. Okay, I've I've noticed on on. Um, just talking to people randomly who who you know, and also on the internet, Markel stock is very low. People are not they don't think he can handle it, I don't think he can shoot. Based on like, you know, these you know four minutes here and there he plays every game, I I'm not seeing necessarily that he can't do those things. I mean he's not being put in a position to do much of them, and so maybe that would change. But, but I don't well, know. I don't And also if he's if he is as bad as it seems like Lyle Hollins thinks he is,
1: then get rid of him. Honestly, get rid of him because there are other players that could be out there that they sh- this team should be giving a shot to. This team should have a permanent slot, that's the 10-day contract slot, that they just keep bringing in guys, giving them a look, the Willie Reed the honorary Willie Reed slot. Mm-hmm. Just keep giving them looks because if if Markel Brown can't crack the guard rotation post Jared Jack injury, then when is he ever going to play? And when so is he ever going to be good enough? So Let's get creative here. let's have a little fun loosen things up. Let's bring in some guys. Let's hope you can find the uh so give
0: me give me your five you you want those on white plus, side of course Thomas Robinson is that no I mean
1: so are we doing say this when Ronnie Hollis Jefferson comes back or just right now? I think we're gonna say right now, right so it's
0: tough because that three spot is so hideously so disgusting so,
1: yeah it's it's uh i I mean I guess the the end of game lineup that I'm most confident in. Oh, God, it would be Larkin, uh, see what the crap is the two-guard <laughs> slot, Wayne Ellington, Joe Johnson, Thad Young, and Brooke Lopez. And my eyes are closed on all You want Ellington in, that, huh? I just think I have more faith that he's going to hit the shot than Boyan at this point. Uh, Boyan still can do some smart things. Like, he passed up an open three in the Celtics game uh, when he was missing all of them to drive to the hoop. They got fouled. So that was a positive, and he does that better than Wayne Ellington does. Uh, I just think Ellington is a two-ticks better shooter from three. Boyan's not good from three. He's just, at this point, not that great. Uh, it, and if that's all he can
0: do. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's the, a five, best like, like a four. A four you would want to see is kind of what you – because you don't want to see any of our small Can Thad forwards. play the three? Can we put Thad back in the can, three? Get Chris McCullough in there. That's the – um, That's what it, they're saying. They're trying to say you can play the three. I don't. I don't know about that. Um, shall we go to your boy Al, Al, oh, uh, Al LaForest has been a, a frequent contributor to the email sphere, and we appreciate the heck out of you, Al. Um, you can email us at Nets- at, netspot. Netspot, at, netspot, at netspot at gmail netspot at gmail netspot at gmail dot com come on smells you think <laughs> um so <clears throat> al and always thanks for writing in basically he wants to know what will it take for you to finally call out the gm plus he's throwing in the assistant gm whose name is who i don't know after bobby marks left it's uh i pulled this up frank zanon so he's getting he's getting some of al's wrath here um Basically, the Nets haven't been good, uh, haven't constructed a roster that was top five in any statistical category. The only time the Nets roster had some semblance of chemistry was when they were their eighth best offense under Avery plus PJ. Um, you know, untimely injuries have contributed to the underperformance, yada, yada. Uh, but, like, in spite of the team's roster performing exactly how own in the league, besides disillusioned fans expected, you know, why can't we bring ourselves to accept that the team is not good because of the GM? So, Smelts, this is a lot to unpack. This is a lot to unpack and it's, you know, familiar territory for we've us. We've been here before. And I, I feel like maybe now's a good time to just put our final stamp on on this thing because I do feel like we get, you know, bits and pieces of it and we uh but but so we've had a pretty measured response to the Billy King tenure and people do not like that about us. We I get emails, I get a couple of emails every now and then that say like, "Why don't you guys go harder on Billy King? He's a disaster." Okay. So we've talked a lot about the circumstances through which he's found himself here. So what we are trying to say is that Billy King has not had as much opportunity to make these decisions as people think. You know, even in the course of the infamous Paul Pierce and Garnett trade, the story that I heard was that Billy went in on just Humphreys, sorry, it was, it was Humphreys and, uh, uh, for Pierce and then a pick to the, our pick to give up Gerald Wall so they would take on his contract. That was the first I had heard about. And then other people, other influences came in and said, why don't we add Garnett to that? We'll th- And Terry will throw on, uh, what was it? It was uh, Bogans the... and, and Brooks and then the other two picks. So, okay, let's go back and let's play it. If, if Billy King had just made that decision, we'd just give it up the one pick and hump for Pierce. Is that a terrible? Is that a terrible trade? That's know. a win. That is
1: a win at that point. Okay, but but yeah. So I don't want to put us in the position where we're defending Billy King. Here, here's our response. Right, our response has always been. Um, Look, yeah, I know. he's he. Our response has always been that he's not good. Mm-hmm. We've we've classified that. It's also just that it's unlikely that anyone else is going to do anything significantly better at this point. If, if we could, it'd be great if we could go four years into the past, stop Billy King, go T2, T2 this situation, mm-hmm. go into the past, stop it from ever happening, and then that way the trade never would have happened and the following X amount of things ever happened. But again, still, as as you've been saying, there's sort of like these extraneous other outside factors to Billy King's tenure. The pressure that he's getting from ownership to do everything possible to deliver a really prominent Eastern Conference team immediately. He made a, a a seemingly at the time decent trade that has now become a terrible trade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so <clears throat> it's really easy to color all this stuff with a really negative, dark, you know, 2020 hindsight kind of brush. It's, it's easy to paint that picture but at the time going into the 2013-2014 season we were pretty goddamn hyped on what this team could be doing and and then that's sort of like the way you have to so would you be happy if Billy King was uh let oh, go and gone and, and and yes and i have also said that billy king should be fired and i said that because only because like so you know i don't think i don't think it's billy's fault entirely you know i think he's made you know a lot of good middling trades we've talked about all these you know getting thad young for Garnett is a Straight up coup at this point, um, you know. So he's he's done like a lot of smart middling trades. Where I am presuming that like there wasn't a ton of managerial oversight. Um, I wish basketball had how in baseball
1: there's a starting pitcher, a middle reliever, and a closer. Mm-hmm. Billy King would be a great middle reliever GM. I wish there's some mm. some seriously something. Yeah, ball. Nah, not actually seriously. No, you, yeah. Some some way where no, the Nets could hire a starting pitcher GM. He would lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. Seven innings maybe five depending on the situation yeah solid billy kate would come in and make the shane larkin pick up the thad young deal for garnett that flip like those sort of like mid tier trades that you kind of care about but you don't really care about and then
0: they could hand off the final part to lawrence frank and i will say you know so for all of that and i the one thing that i really disagree with you on is that like i think that the one thing that he's done really poorly is hire coaches i think that you know on, on paper, looking at guys like Avery Johnson, P.J. Carlissimo, and uh, Lionel, and what they've done, they are, I mean, as bad, uh, like, the worst kind of coach for this team that you could possibly have, basically. The, and they are exactly uh, the lack of... So, Jason Kidd, so, okay, yeah. we give him credit for Jason Kidd. I don't give him credit because I know that he didn't want to hire Jason Kidd. He wanted to hire yeah. Lionel Hollins that summer, well, and Prokhorov wanted to hire Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is a, a good... Higher, mm-hmm.
1: right yeah um carlissimo avery johnson and lonel hollands are
0: all sort of the same exact kind of same exact philosophy. person yeah grading yeah angry nobody likes them i mean avery is like he's not like necessarily a grading person he's just nobody well, his likes voice them. i just <laughs> yeah. think of his <laughs> yeah. voice like that so what, what but, is there to like personality wise. so and,
1: it, and it's just a, so a completely unimaginative as a uh coach hire uh he he's made some mega swings that have pretty much all missed um but but it's also i think from from Brian and i what, what, what we kind of do is that like it would be a shitty pod if all we did
0: was just shit on billy king the whole time right it wouldn't like be that interesting i'm not even tempted to shit on him that much it's not even like you know i i really f- like if you had a gun to your head and someone's saying not a gun to your head but your job's on the line and your boss is saying make a trade a really big trade this summer that's your job this summer and you're like well the only thing out there is joe johnson and so okay i guess i get a trade for joe johnson well you know that's what you know what am i gonna do and i think you know almost billy billy king has helped future
1: gms because he's taught that pick swaps are never a good thing Mm -hmm. to say just to just to believe that your team will always be better and that your team will never swap picks we know that that's a bad thing um We've also learned that completely unprotected picks are the just, regardless of what you think of draft picks, you can't just give away unprotected picks.
0: I mean, they protected that, that stupid one that went for, to uh, Portland. That was protected top three, which didn't do us any good.
1: Right, because there's only three good players in the draft or whatever. Um, how exciting, oh my god, if, if, if these Celtics picks were top three protected, mm-hmm. this team would tank, right? Oh, I would have to think so. I would think this team would be tanking right now. I don't yeah. even know if they would have signed Brooke and Thad to a contract extension if this pick was top three protected. I think the, the, the team would have just decided we're just going to throw away the entire year yeah. and go for top pick in the draft, which which would be so easy for them to do if they had that ability. But. And
0: again, despite all these things, all these, you know, we're, we're you know, again, we're, we're being by a lot of people's standards soft on Billy because that, all they want to hear is Billy sucks and fire him. Despite all of this, he they have lost the audience. They have lost their, their fan base, what was once there, if there was one. I mean, the unfortunate reality is that, I mean, he's not the first guy that's going to get fired for something that wasn't his fault. But, you know, he'll be among a, a long lineage of, of next, you know, f- faculty members that, that bit the dust for things that weren't their fault. Um, and I think that that needs to happen. And that's, you know, unfortunately unfortunate because i I think he'll never have really gotten a real shot to do it on his own terms yeah not i won't shed a tear you know don't get me wrong because i don't don't, know if he deserves like because to an extent i do think that like you know
1: i don't know i don't he's not he's really not good enough to be a championship level gm like he's he's just not he's not no he's not um
0: that's true and it's because partly i mean like so yeah the the players that he was told to like go out and get are like you know get big name players they like i don't know if he you know if it's hard to say like yeah the team doesn't have any chemistry they like we're sluggish but he's like but you're still you're being told to get big name players and they happen to be sluggish players what can you do i don't know i mean the fact that darren williams became sluggish is just really unlucky for him that really that really sucked but there we go <laughs> just end on every segment will end on that really sucked What's the, what's the news around the league like, anyhow? Let's do you, hear it. Do you, uh, do you know what that's like? Mike, are you still going to bring the ruckus? It's the news! All right, go, go.
1: All right, news around the league here. So, um... We've got some weird kind of news. The New Year changed, and I think things maybe have turned to a strange direction. The first thing that we get is from Phoenix. Robert Sarver, I don't know if you saw this, the Suns owner, uh, was speaking about sort of his team overall and some of the problems that they've been facing. Jeff Hornacek, their coach, uh, has been somewhat, well, very much so under the gun a little bit. Reports that he may be fired.
0: Reports that Mike D'Antoni uh, may come back to coach but the they team. They want Mike D'Antoni. I, I saw some people were like interested in that
1: so and and he was talking about uh problems with markeith morris who one of the morris twins who's upset that his brother was traded and he's been grumpy he may have thrown a towel well he did throw a towel at his coach he got suspended for a couple of games he was a productive player so this is what sarver said he's attributing what happens my whole view so he says i'm not sure it's just the nba okay the problems that he's seeing with these players. My whole view of the millennial culture is that they have a tough time dealing with setbacks. And Markeith Morris is a perfect example. He has a setback with his brother in the offseason and he can't seem to recover from it. I'm not sure if it's the technology or the instant gratification of being online, but the other thing is I'm not a fan of social media. I tell my kids it's like fantasy land. The only thing that they put online are good things that happen to them or things that they make up. It creates unrealistic expectations. We've had a number of setbacks this year that have taken a toll on us and we have haven't been resilient.
0: Therefore, it's up to our entire organization to step up the game but but, okay (laughs) this is a guy whose kid like put up some weird stuff on the internet and he can't get it out of his head that is so that's
1: definitely what's going on that's my thing where's the source of this robert sarver criticism so this has to come from another place right it can't just come from him observing the team and being upset with millennials that's his kids so he's got
0: millennials that are it's, it's, he's basically saying an entire generation of people are shitty, and you know who's <laughs> all all you know who's doing this a lot the boomers again the the gen- <laughs> yeah I get so
1: annoyed when uh I think I mean this is probably just a constant complaint from young to old, but that um we that the older generation complains about the young when it's like all right, all right whose fault is it really that we're shitty people our age. It's your fault. You old people taught
0: us how to be shitty. And you know that you taught us to be the terrible people. We're not. We're not. You, all the statistics show that like millennials prioritize like, you know, being charitable higher or like, you know, buying products that have like philanthropic, you know, end goals and stuff like that. Way more like way more than anyone born in the 1970s or beforehand. Like all of this stuff is all such crap. And really, it's it's going to reach it, a boiling point. Smelt. And the thing that bothers me the most is that. So he
1: has this team, like he has Markeith Morris, and he's going to attribute his problems to being of the age and the age group of which he's from, the millennial group. But really, what it is is that Markeith Morris is a psycho. Yeah, he's upset that his twin brother left, and he wanted to leave. He wanted to leave town himself because his twin brother was somewhere else. You know how yeah. crazy that is! Yeah. I mean
0: I mean, okay. You know I, who else is a millennial? Malayla, you know the this <laughs> eye. <used> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 She makes up for everyone. She really yeah. does. She covers yeah. all of just yeah, everything. So, we do. so now what? So give me another you know who's a boomer? Donald Trump. So what? So let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go tit for tat. It just it just cracks me up that
1: this guy, this old guy, mm-hmm. is saying, I'm not really gonna diagnose this specific problem. Yeah. I'm gonna take where this guy is from Markeith Morrison's say like everyone everyone that he's around is a bad is,
0: is doing something wrong. Yeah. Well listen, you know you know my feelings about social media. I'm I'm scared of it as well, like an old person. I'm I'm a bit of a Luddite in my own in my own way, but I'll be damned if I get told that by I'm the one that gets to say that. I'm I am of the age that has I've been exposed to it. I've been there. I know what's going on <laughs> he doesn't know the first thing about the internet. He doesn't know what to be afraid of. We were from the age where when you were as a child, what did the first thing that people told you about if you were going to talk to a stranger on the internet? Don't meet up. You don't meet up. Oh. You meet up with someone, you are chopped up. You're done. <laughs> That's it. Wait, but wait. wait. <laughs> now there was got... a step before that
1: in in my relationship with the internet was that yeah. don't talk to strangers talk, on the internet. <laughs> yeah, don't talk your, to
0: yours internet. was just don't meet up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, all of ours were like chat rooms are where you know you will I don't know how big eventually chat rooms are. it's a spiral to death and and now there's OK Cupid. People are meeting up everywhere and i get why that's scary for a guy his age i understand that because he was there telling us don't don't talk to people on chat rooms because they're dangerous and there's a lot of that you know we you go on chat roulette what do you see you see a lot of fallacies, and that's true and that's that's <laughs> part of the that's part of the, that's just the, the side guys <laughs> the internet but you that. have to be you know internally mature enough to handle that kind of thing and, and some people are in some people aren't like Mark Morris. Maybe he's not mature enough to maybe he's on chat, rel- chat, chat, rel- <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum. I think the camera he's, pointed down, <laughs> you know, not up <laughs> at his, at his bright smiling face. He, I think he's purely a Skype and Skyping with his twin brother. That's probably true. Or Thomas Robinson, you know, they're thick as thieves. That's true. So, so maybe so, what does that say? So the Morris twins are going to come here. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, speaking of young people, the Sixers signed Elton Brand. Did you see he wrote a long thing on uh, that website, medium.com? Oh, what did he say? Was this after the signing or I started reading it and I knew that it was like it was good, it was it was very slow though. It was basically just like I don't want to be retired anymore, like my I felt really bad about how things ended for me. Yeah. Stop. That, that old that old chestnut. So now he so Jerry Colangelo comes
1: in. The uh Hinky project uh, is on tenuous ground, and then they signed Elton Brand to basically coach the young players which is a good idea
0: overall he's gonna have respect but it's also like no they shot the moon they even went too far on their veteran it's too veteran of a veteran (laughs) they they get too youthful of the youth and too veteran of the veteran like they're not gonna listen to Elton Brand's that's exactly broken down ass (laughs) and (laughs) one old player who's not good like that's it like players are not going to respect
1: someone so elton brand wasn't good enough for these young guys to really respect him it's not like kevin garnett kevin garnett is going to get respect from everyone and he's also a psychopath so you're gonna be afraid of him to begin with yeah (laughs) elton brand
0: like showing up at at some it'd be like i don't know does, does Robert Covington even know who Elton Brand is? Has he heard that name before? I'm not sure. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's just it is just like another kind of odd move that the Sixers are going to make. Maybe Elton Brand will have a real impact. Um, it's pretty awesome for him that he gets a contract for being a nice guy. You know, like I've always been jealous <laughs> of there's that like class of nice guy athletes that stay on for three years too long because just because they're nice people. Um, we used to think Derek Fisher was like that, but we don't really know now. Um Well you you don't like nice guys in general as a principle. Because they're always hiding something. Mm. especially Skeletons. Skeletons in the closet. I don't know if you're watching I know you're not watching the new season of The Bachelor. The Bachelor this year is a nice guy, quote
0: you know, quote oh, unquote boy. Nice guy. Oh, boy. Hiding he's, something. He's probably a men's rights activist, you know, right <laughs> writing Yes, <laughs> in <Indiana>, So <laughs> you never know. Commenting on feminist YouTube videos, salacious things.
1: Um Laser
0: Pointer at the Rockets game.
1: Did you see this? I did see that. So some fan during the Rockets game had pointed a Laser Pointer at James Harden. That fan was discovered and has been banned for a year from the arena. Crazy, sad, terrible.
0: Wow. Uh, Not that bad. Not that bad. A year? Does that feel like a long time for you? (laughs) I thought it could have been longer. I thought it should have been just life. We yeah. can you just say to the guy just we don't need you Buy. Right. Yeah. Like, like, kinda, we're not missing your your dollar value. Yeah. Just go away. Yeah. Um I'm no, glad we'll... that they didn't put out his did they put out his name and everything? Uh probably. I feel really like that's always really lame when like a person's whole life has to just burn up in flames because he brought he was I mean, I get like if you like you know beat up your cab driver or whatever it is, or like your Uber driver, like that one guy, the Taco Bell manager. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, fine, whatever. That's a psycho. I mean the laser pointer thing it's weird it's like a it's lame but it's not like psychopathic you know it's not unless it's one of those laser pointers that blind you then then it's psychopathic they say they say all laser pointers blind you right but no, nah, there's I got no. one for my cats upstairs it's that's not <laughs> staring at that thing all the time um and the last little note here is uh there was a report out this week that
1: the Celtics are possibly looking at to playing an outdoor game at Fenway mm-hmm uh this would lead to a an avalanche of out, more outdoor games. They used to play one in like Palm Springs, the Suns would play or something like that. But uh Fenway Park be great. Uh where in New York should the Nets play? That's the last question.
0: Ooh, um good question. Wow. Wow. Uh Rockefeller Center. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> what do you think? That's, I don't know. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. Where do we go on the, Because it would uh... be boring if it was Yankee
1: Stadium. So here's my thing. Boring, Yankee Stadium, City Field, both boring. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, wow, big, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Rucker Park would be sort of like the connection to the tiny, Tiny, though. Tiny.
0: Rockefeller's a good idea. Um, hmm. You can do it on Ellis Island. <laughs> <laughs> right, right on the feet of the Statue of Liberty. I, when I saw the uh, link to that story about Fenway Park... The the person there's a <clears throat> picture of Fenway Park, and someone had photoshopped a basketball hoop at the top of the Green Monster with an arrow pointing to it. That said, how awesome would this be? I'm like, not awesome, but <laughs> 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 shooting, trying to lob a ball up there. Boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be feet. ten guys standing <laughs> yeah. right under the basket. How tall is a Green Monster? It's like thirty feet. How, how big, It's big, way bigger than 30. yeah, way bigger than thirty. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, it's big, bigger it's than forty we are going to Google this. Do you want to Google this? Let's pretend like it's uh, we're a couple of seven-year-old men. Who, All right. What's your, your over-under? Uh, I'm going to say it's, it's over... Oh, man. Let's say over-under 35.
1: By the way, when you start Googling how tall is the... It's, or how tall is, it's always like Taylor Swift, Tom Cruise.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Green monster. How okay. tall is Taylor Swift?
1: 37 feet tall. You were close. Come on. Um... Picked a nice over-under number there. Wouldn't it be that exciting. How tall is Taylor Swift?
0: They said 5'11", I believe. Really? Yeah. It's Why? Just... Do you think that's too tall? Uh, I mean, that's my height. It's just... How tall is Taylor Swift? 5'10".
1: Okay. Carly Kloss is 6'1". Calvin Harris.
0: I don't know who Carly Kloss is.
1: Calvin Harris? DJ? 6'6". Tall, tall drink of water. It's a tall DJ. Um, that's news around the league. Well, do you want to tie a bow on it, Smelts? Let's do a quick Star Wars. Oh, okay, okay. So this is at the point. Uh, Brian saw Star Wars. I've finally,
0: seen... finally got on board.
1: So this is at the point of the podcast where you can, if you haven't seen it yet, you can shut off.
0: You probably haven't seen it. You probably don't care. Yeah. We're going to have some really salient points, so if you have seen it and you <laughs> just want to... If you wanna, enjoy
1: just good movie film criticism, <laughs>
0: I would stick around. Here's this is where it's going to be. Here's my bit, Smeltz, and I talked about this beforehand, but um, I think this ex- helps explain it. I, I think it helped you explain what you were thinking. So there's this old you know, bit of literary criticism that says there's three steps to you know talking about whether or not a, you think a piece of writing is good. And for this, we'll extrapolate and say that it's for, for filmmaking. Um, number one... You know, um, what was the author trying to do? Number two, were they successful in achieving whatever it was they were trying to do? And then number three, should they have even tried to undertake that thing in the first place? Should they have tried to do that thing? And so, for me, Star Wars—I mean—and it sucks. I don't like to be the guy that's like, yeah, you know, I saw Star Wars, and I have an opinion about Star Wars, and I get to because it's not a fun thing to be like, you know, critical about. It's just not what it's for. That's not. I mean, and you you have a different opinion about this. You're saying, like, nerd culture is generally, like, dissected in a lot of ways. But, like, you know, this kind of thing, it's not bad enough to really go in on. It's not good enough to, like, you know, put your the full weight of your love behind. Also, it really doesn't do anything, like, super interesting enough to
1: kind of, like, put it up for criticism.
0: So, yeah. And it's kind of, that's the reason why it's a little bit, like, um, protected from from this kind of hate speech that we're about to. But here's the thing. So, it's. They've done the first two well. So what they were trying to do is basically create a thing that has lots of uh, nostalgic loose ends to tie up. And then they do that successfully. Like, they bring in all the characters from the previous movie, and it's, you know, fine, that works, but should they have done that? Should that have been the thing they tried to do? Just basically have this cursory, you know, how do we get Han Solo in a prominent role? How do we get leia back in a prominent role how do we send us around luke skywalker again and you know how do we reprise basically this whole mentor mentee of like good and evil thing all over because it it's just mentors and mentees that are some are good and some are bad um is that what we want is that what we really wanted
1: no and but in, but in this okay good good movie right so b minus that's what i would grade it out as <laughs> right
0: that's it just leave it there it's a good movie b minus
1: um just a couple of points. Everyone, Both times I went to the movie, I saw it twice, Yeah, people laughed when Adam Driver's face first showed up.
0: Really? They didn't laugh for me. Did you see it in 3D? No. I saw it in 3D the one time I saw it. I got to tell you, I'm not going to do 3D anymore. I think it's on my no list <laughs> right now. 3D is way on the no list.
1: Because it, it it unless if it's made in 3D, it doesn't... What am I seeing?
0: Uh, the stupid gl- glue intern was like, I'm not going to see it unless it's in 3D. I was like... Ugh that's he's the type of person he's that they're exactly trying to... the type of person you know why well anyways it's because he likes to enhance his experience oh. <laughs> medicinally <laughs> and then really and then really check out but but no its just it's just like it actually made it feel smaller like it felt like it it shortened the screen enormously length I mean it's like the depth is longer of course but then the actual size of the screen it's like really small I'm like I wish I could see the you know
1: yeah because your like focal point is more it's right at it's you as opposed right, to yeah I'm expansive I'm being left and right um, so people laughed in both times and it did kind of disrupt me Adam driver being the bad guy partly because if you've seen girls you've seen them naked and it's just kind of weird that and his character he plays on girls is this like angsty weird kind of yeah. mentally
0: issued man if he didn't have that role on girls he would be perfect for this role he was Good He's in great. the movie, actually. I, no, I mean it makes sense. The one thing is like those ears at the end when you start seeing the ears poke through the hair, it's like wow, those that guy's ears are nuts. They That's are why he has insane. the hair. Insane. Um, <laughs> I mean, I,
1: hate I to really it. didn't have to see a, a big planet destroyer get blown up again. Yeah, I really didn't. The the key to blowing it up really should not have been
0: going down a trench, going through a hole, blowing shit up. There's so many of these things too. I mean, like if you really want to pull stuff apart and like you know say that we want more exposition about different. I mean, we want. I mean. That that they just went shifted gears midway through the film and like now it's a Death Star movie like because they didn't they didn't like kind of um put a nice like base for that to to there's not a lot of exposition for that another thing that's like Finn the character if they had just given me a little hint something something he's force sensitive a little something to to, to I taste don't onto, think he is though because then why is he this weirdly like preternaturally sensitive person that's a stormtrooper like if he's really you know he's like the one non-conforming Stormtrooper, but why? Why? If he is, uh, you know, that doesn't. They give me
1: did. A, they did need to know, give us a, a nibble before that first scene when we see his the the bloody hand touch his helmet, and then he suddenly became awoken to no, all the horror. That's
0: not. That's not. That's not sufficient because all these other people are seeing lots of horrible things. The fact that he gets, you know, bopped with a right, bloody what hand What I'm saying is, not. is that we need to. See,
1: so so, but like, do I really need to see that? I don't know if I. I mean, I was going to accept it. I was just—I was gonna see,
0: and I'm like, "All right, fine. He can be good. Do I really care? Look, if you're—if you were born into such an oppressive, you know, a guy that has no worldview, he's literally had no human experiences. He's just a, a there's for him to have this, you know, range of emotion requires at least a little nugget of why.
1: Sure, I'm with you.
0: I'm with you, and it's, it'd be so easy to just make him like. Have some kind of special intuition. Give me a little another, a new shade of the force that I haven't seen before. You know, like uh, another, just a, a sensitive light side thing. But I don't think he's,
1: if we're really going to get real nerdy, I don't think he has any force in him.
0: I don't think so either because they didn't say he did, you know. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. I think we're supposed to did.
1: believe it by him picking up a lightsaber. Like they they want us to believe it. You think in, that
0: was the tasty thing that I'm trying to get for? No,
1: no, no. no. I think, but I think it's a J.J. Abrams trick. It's a they they wanted us to believe that he was going to be a Jedi. We all the marketing that we saw was him holding up the lightsaber. We're like, okay, so he's going to be a Jedi. And then during the movie, he holds up a lightsaber. We're like, okay, he's going to be a Jedi. He's not. Um, I'm I'm okay again. B minus. Generally fine with it. It just, I think it's a a total victim of. I read most of the reviews before I saw the movie. I saw it at opening night. I'm jacked up. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. The first uh, 45 minutes of the movie is something new, somewhat. You know, you know, you see Finn, you see Ray, and you kind of get something new. And then once I get Harrison Ford in there, and then I kind of see like, all right, so we back. We, then we go see Leia, and they're kind of like on an old Endori type world. And then I go see, again, Death Star Killer, I, like which is Death or whatever. It's Killer Death Star, whatever it's called. That's another Death Star. How are we going to blow it up? We go through a trench. Well, How do we get through that trench? Well, we need to break down a shield. How do we break down the shield? Oh, it's a little base, an auxiliary base. This auxiliary base like in Return of the Jedi where... It's really lightly guarded, very lightly guarded. But this is the whole key to the defense mechanism of the whole place.
0: Whatever I can, you know, the fact that they're I just, just the, like we've those seen kinds all that. Of conceits, yeah, here's what I better not find out. Though, let me tell you this: better not find out that Adam Driver's Darth Vader character was being trained by Luke Skywalker, and and then that's why Luke Skywalker went into hiding. There better be a different, better Jedi because this guy got worked by a person that hadn't even seen a lightsaber until right. that afternoon. Okay, he got worked.
1: And they add that line in when he's walking, like in like some point in the movie, he's like, yeah, we have to go find her now because her, yeah. her force is growing. Yeah, they, just, and like, they, threw, they
0: th- I feel like he threw that in post, you know, post-production. And we
1: know, like, yeah. and Han Solo says this to Finn, the force doesn't work this way. We know yeah. the force doesn't work that way. And
0: this is why it's like, I mean, and I get why they want to do that, because, like, we've all seen The Force. We know what The Force is. There were six movies before that, and we get what The Force is. We don't need to see another person, like, oh, I'm finding out my powers, because it's like, we know what the powers are eventually, so just speed them along. And and so that's the thing where it's like, we, I don't know, do we want to put ourselves in a position where we're just, like, hurrying along this this protagonist character? Are you excited for the next movie? I, I mean, I, I don't get excited for things, so that's, that's my problem. I'm dead, <laughs> dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah no i mean i'll see it you know but um i don't know i'm excited i i think uh, do you think okay, the whole point of the movie was to
1: to bring in the old and the new and then get rid of the old basically and then you're gonna have these new characters but luke will still be there i'm worried that we're gonna rely on mark hamill as like a crucial point in these movies of of the three actors from the original, that would be the last one that you'd really want to rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also worried that I'm really not gonna like super care about Finn. Like I'm kind of okay that I, I like Finn as a character. I like the actor a lot. I'm okay that he's kind of dead. Mm. Like deadish. So yeah. so he's gonna wake up and then I'm, just, I'm gonna be like happy. I'm just not. I'm not I'm not gonna be
0: there. He's the new Han Solo. You know, I don't know, you man. You guys always like I'm half my, my my foot is halfway out the door. I could I could be gone in a second. I was let down. I was I was let down, and it's
1: not like as you said, like you don't want to like, have the hot take where like it's like not it's like it's not that cool to be like, well, this was wrong and this was wrong, which is kind of what we just did. Mm-hmm. But I was I was let down, and I was like, why are people loving this movie so much? I loved
0: Star Wars growing up. It was everything. Here's the thing it's like, just like when I wasn't thought about that it amazing. I had this moment in this thing in the movie where I, right at their at the, the scene before they blow up the death death star this episode seven, 7 I'm talking about and it's all this like really it's, it's just dumb as hell and I'm like I'm thinking about like okay so if I think back to my child mind I saw Star Wars as a child you know that, those scenes where they're like oh that's a trap and there's plans and there you know there's all this shit. um Th- those are dumb scenes those are dumb like whipped through scenes and stuff so you know this is I, I wonder how much um, they tried to prioritize making this for kids a little bit getting kids into it maybe that's true maybe, um, maybe we're talking taking a kid movie a little too seriously that's the danger that, I, that I'm that i worried about what did you grade it as? Uh, I'll give it a, a firm C plus okay in the same place good um, wow good to get it off, off the chest
1: so, anyways, you can uh, check us out on iTunes, search Glue or search Glue Guides. Check us out on thebrookandgame.com.
0: can't hear the outro. You're going to have to do the solo.
1: And, uh, you know, thank you again for listening. We'll have more podcasts you. as the year goes along. And good night, everybody.
0: The end of the show.